There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry. Those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with Riskwell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. Hey folks, James here with the Agency Freedom Podcast, where we take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. We've got a real treat for you guys, so I'm going to jump straight into it. No intro, no housekeeping items, no requests here, because uh, I am recording in uh, David Carruthers' suite. He was kind enough to donate his suite for our little studio here, and this is something that I'll probably listen to with as much enthusiasm as anybody else, because I am here with Mr. Ryan Hanley. Mitch Gibson and David Carruthers. I thought it'd be fun to just pull together a little thing of podcast host all just talking shop and breaking it open for you guys. What we're going to do on this episode really is just debrief from Brandshare uh, from what we've talked about the last two days here in San Antonio. Thank you, Mr. Jason Cass, for putting this thing together. Check it out at uh, agencyintelligence.com if you want to learn about the uh, the mastermind they've got and brand share for next year. Don't know where it's going to be, but you should definitely be there if you're listening to this. So uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. We're just going to get right into this thing. Hanley, you're on my left. I like to go clockwise. So uh, thanks for joining us. For people that don't know you, if they've been living under a rock uh, or they're just all the way in the captive world and haven't really started to migrate out to the sweet nectar of freedom that is the independent channel in our industry. I'd love to, you know, get just a quick intro and we can just go around the horn and say who you are, what you do and, you know, whatever intro you want to throw in there and then we'll just chop it up. So I feel uh, completely emasculated by your radio voice, first and foremost. Um, <laughs> it's tough to, I tough to, I wish Mitch had gone next because he still has that little baby voice, but. Your voice is just <laughs> as child as mine. <laughs> Come on now. Uh, so, no, so, all right. So if, I have a podcast. It's the Ryan Hanley Show. Um that's on the agency intelligence network as well. There we go. I've I've used the microphones before. Oh, it's a straight directional. There we go. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, with that mic, if you're right in front of it, it picks it up better. It's not like the shore when you have to talk across it. Oh. Sorry. I don't know anything about podcasting, even though I've been doing it for like 10 years. I don't years. either. Uh, so I am the founder of an independent insurance agency, Rogue Risk. I've been in the industry for 16 years, all different roles in the industry. Um, but Cass and I hooked up about 10 years ago. His crazy ass was running around in San Francisco at a young a national young agents event. He was the chair of the Illinois Young Agents. I was doing my very first keynote ever for the National Young Agents Convention at the time on uh, SEO and all the work I'd done on YouTube. And 
if you think Cass is nuts now, <laughs> you should have seen him 10 years ago oh, bombing man. around this conference. And uh, and his his state, Illinois, won the whatever the contest was for best young agents, whatever. And this dude is just hooting and hollering and hip thrusting and screaming like he just won the Super Bowl. And I was like, I got to I gotta figure out who that dude is. And uh, we've been buddies ever since. And that's how I got hooked up with agency intelligence and brain share. Awesome. Glad you're here, man. Mitch Gibson, who the heck are you, man? You're like four <laughs> years old over here. I feel so old sitting next to you. You've already accomplished an impressive tally of things in your uh, young industry career, man. Uh, who are you? What do you do? Why are you here at BrainShare? Well, I'm, I'm uh, like you said, Mitch Gibson. First off, thanks for having me. This is a cool setup, by the way. Uh, James has an awesome like keyboard thing going on here. I just literally sometimes interview people on an iPhone and my clip on $3 clip on microphone. So I feel bougie. So I'm bro, whatever gets honored, it done, man, feel honored <laughs> to be here. Uh, myself, I'm actually from a little town in uh, Greenfield, Indiana, which is east of Indianapolis, about 15, 20 minutes, but I actually live about 45 minutes east of Indianapolis in a town called Knightstown. And you might think about what the heck's Knightstown. It's just what you think. Cornfields and Cattle and goats and a Dollar General store. What, like a, a bowling alley and a stoplight, right? There's two stoplights and no bowling alley. There's there's not much entertainment other than maybe riding goats around or something. How far is that from Fort Wayne? Mm, probably two and a half hours. Okay. Two I've been to hours. Fort Wayne. Fort, Wayne's, Fort Wayne is probably three three hours from Indianapolis north, uh, which but, I went to Ball State University. So Ball State is in Muncie, which is like an hour south it splits where I live and where, where, where Fort Wayne is. So hmm. kind of give you some, some perspective of the state of Indiana. Um, but I've been in the insurance industry for, oh, just around over four years. And uh, I know you guys kind of get where I'm at right now. And, and where, I've, where I've kind of became, where I've kind of grown into this was because of the agency intelligence network and just agency intelligence in general. Um, you, you sent me down in this room a year and a half ago. I don't even know who any of you guys are. I don't know what, what's out there. I just think this, you know, it's, the way we do it at the insurance office is the way that everybody else does it. And that's, you know, that's obviously not the truth. And I think that's what these podcasts and what these networks have done is allowed, allowed agents to have a one, a, you know, a platform to be able to share that stuff, but to just learn, like learning from you guys is the single most best thing in the world. And it's freaking free. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of me. And then I actually have a show on the agency intelligence network as well. What's that one called? Uh, that is the MVP podcast. It's kind of been on hiatus for a little bit. I've been um, busy with some life stuff that I've been taking control of, and we'll have a, actually a new show up coming up next Wednesday. So awesome. be back on that. Be back on that train again, and it's 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 for young agents. So if you're a young agent out there, and you know, kind of want to, you know, the building blocks of where we're going and how how I've got to where I am, that's kind of where I'm sharing, and and hopefully we can we can rule the rule the young agents and keep Man. going with it. How blessed and fortunate are you to find the industry at 22 years old? It's pretty mean, cool, man. Golly, I didn't uh, think I was going to do. I mean, I, I thought I thought insurance was Jake from State Farm, and, and I literally there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I've got ADHD, and I'm literally just like Cass. I can't sit still, so I couldn't sit putting me behind a desk for you know 12 hours. It's not going to happen. No, the thing I love about this conversation, and I'm geeking out right now because we have three guests. All three of you guys are kicking serious tail in your own ways, but you're three very different agency owners, three very different professionals. Uh, th this is just is just cool. So, third in in line is Mr. David Carruthers uh, from Valrico, Florida, in the Tampa area. Uh, for those of you that are in the captive world, you don't know uh, anything about Mr. Carruthers, but you really should. So, Dave, what's up, man? Uh, 
I, I don't even know what to say at this point. You're you're a mentor, an older brother. Uh, when you speak, people listen in our industry. Carriers, MGAs, associations. Uh, there's there's some burden that comes with that. So uh, no pressure, but thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. It beats my uh, side hustle of breeding miniature ponies for competitive racing. <laughs> mm. Oh man. <laughs> the thing is, I wouldn't put it past you if you actually no, I wouldn't did that. Either. I, wouldn't I really either. wouldn't. True story. That is like my go-to when people ask me what I do for a living, and I can carry a conversation for twenty minutes about it, making everything up completely, and have them believe what I'm saying. And the scary thing is, you're such a good salesman <laughs> that everyone would fully believe whatever you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sample maintenance is the no. key to the breeding game. Isn't that what Kelly Donahue Pure earlier? I think I heard her saying that. Wouldn't you say that whenever she's out and about around the airport and they ask her what she does, she said she owns a dry cleaner store yeah, or something? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That's pretty funny. I love to I that I just story. tell people I'm insurance that they don't talk to me. I don't uh, understand honestly, why she's truth. looking to converse. In my mind, I'm like, I just say, hey, look, we're, I work in insurance, and they just avoid me. And I mean, then I get to is do there my any thing. faster way to shut down a conversation when you're sitting next to someone on the airplane than to Ned Ryerson them? <laughs> <laughs> That's what everybody thinks insurance is, is Ned Ryerson. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. You're not wrong. So what what is what's your your reason uh, for doing what you're doing right now? Let's chop into that for a second because we we really have the vast majority of our listening audience is either in the captive agency world and God help you if that's still you make your freedom jump people come on what are you doing Yes uh, the uh, the question is. <laughs> <laughs> You like that? That was awesome. That I board. just I didn't think you were doing it either. Bro. That's the bougie yes. board. Oh, that's it's such a bougie board. You can pre-program these buttons to do whatever you want. Like if I say something that's really cool, oh yeah. The people just love it. But the uh yeah, the intro music. Oh yeah. Get you some of that. No, if anybody wants to run a podcast, uh, the road uh, cast, pro, pro cast, I think is what it's called. Anyway, sorry. Now I've lost half the audience because I'm a nerd. Um, all of you are high performance people. You are going to be successful at whatever you are doing. So a lot of people, when they make the decision to do the freedom jump, they just get out of insurance entirely. They get burnt out or they're disillusioned or there's some kind of challenge that they don't think they can overcome. They don't even make the freedom jump. They make the get out of the industry jump. All three of you guys are just killing it in your respective verticals. You're the kind of high performance people that can do anything you want. So why are you here? Why are you in the industry? Why are you doing what you're doing right now? I'd love to hear that. Go ahead, Hanley. Likes working clockwise. Um, we can popcorn it, Mitch. It's not always oh, clockwise. You're good, man. I just was so I, I got into insurance by accident. I think a lot of people get in by accident. I basically wanted to marry my wife, and it was one of the – it was part of the dowry that I had to pay in order to get her blessing or get her dad's <laughs> blessing was to join his agency and become a producer. And uh, I did not take the traditional path in any regard. I was a producer for eight years. I really became enamored with the digital side of the business. That was not necessarily the path for that agency. I left. I was in marketing for a technology company in the industry for two different uh, – I was a CMO for two different technology companies. And, you know – what I love about this space in general is one, uh, it, it has provided me with a life that I could have never, I could have never imagined. I grew up in a house in a town of 900 people that they referred to as the crack house. We would say that the criminals didn't steal from us in our town because they all lived there. So it was like not the type of place that you come out of thinking big, huge dreams. And what I found in the insurance industry is this place where there's tons of opportunity there are really good people and you can actually be whatever you want. You get to carve it out. 
Like you want to be a fully digital agency. Great. You want to be local. Great. You want to focus on a specific niche. Great. You want to be, um, you know, tech focused. You want to be, uh, more into nonprofits. You want to produce, you want to be in service. You want to own all of these paths are available to you. And then off of that are all these side projects and interesting people you get to meet. And, um, to me, you can, it's one of the few spaces that I know of that you can actually do whatever you love with this space and be fulfilled and happy and have flexibility. And um, I, I just, I couldn't imagine, if I wasn't insurance, I'd be in cryptocurrency. But outside of that, I couldn't yeah. imagine doing anything else. I wouldn't be at all surprised if you were doing crypto at the same time you're doing insurance because yeah, I, I just bought some. On I'm, the way I'm pretty sure David said, and this might be a direct quote yesterday. It's like, I don't know how Hanley has any time for insurance with as much as he talks about and messes with crypto. <laughs> so good for you, man. You you leverage your 168 hours really effectively. I got to hand it to you. Well, Mitch said he has ADD. I have whatever it is where if I'm not thinking about something, I do really bad things. Mm -hmm. Like I just have all these bad habits. So I have to find a way to focus my mind on other things. <laughs> or I just drop into vices. So, um, you know, I just, my mind is always going. That's a, someone asked the other day, they said, how, how do you, how do you have so much going on? I said, I had like literally like what he just said, I have to have stuff going on. Like I have a garden, I have goats, I take care of my grass because that is because what Indiana. Keep, yeah. yeah. It's what keeps me like just busy doing something. Why aren't the goats taking care of the grass? Well, because I only have three of those. <laughs> that is a valid question, my friend. And that that takes a country Mitch, you boy do know to go the put a grass, up. right? I do know that they eat a little bit of grass where where I haven't put up at, but I'm just not the not the maintenance man enough to finish the fence. So uh -oh. we're getting there. It's taking some time. So why insurance, Mitch? I'm in insurance because I didn't just like him. I had no idea I was going to be. Um, I got in a car accident, which kind of which kind of what led me to have an interest in it. I mean, I was a, I was a radio and telecommunications major and. Um, got in a car accident and called the, actually the owners of the agency where I work, worked at now and told them I, I kind of need some guidance on what to do. I'm like, I'm seven, 18 years old, 19 years old, trying to figure out how to, not, I was wrong age, 22 years old, um, trying to figure out what's going to do because there really wasn't any money in radio and I didn't want to, you know, and here we are talking on podcast. Podcast uh, <laughs> killed the radio. Podcast killed the radio. There you go. So for example, I just didn't, you know, it wasn't a place that I felt like I could work long-term um, at all. So I was keeping my eyes open and these guys stayed on top of me. And when I had the accident, I called them just to see if they could give me some direction on how I should handle the claim and what to do. Cause I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything mm -hmm. about insurance. Uh, they helped me through the process and I kind of took interest of thought it was, you know, it's not at all what I thought it was. And I wanted to learn more. So I sat down, had lunch with them and Next thing you know, and I'm an insurance agent, and here we are four years down the road. And um, like you said, I've just been, met so many people that have given me so many cool opportunities um, to showcase the things that I do. And, yeah, I mean, ADHD says ADHD. It's, it's, it's my worst enemy, but it's, it's also my best friend and also which, what makes me successful in what I do. And being able to use that in a way to make a difference in someone's life every day um, and, and help somebody by – you know, protecting them better than the person that protected them before yeah. or leaving an impact on what they're doing. To me, that's, that's why I'm in the industry. Love it. Dave, how about you, man? Well, so I think there's two questions here. What, why did you get into the industry? Number one, but number two, why did you stay? Right? Absolutely. So yeah. for me, the reason I got in simple, it's money. Period. Yeah. I knew what I was able to earn. I knew that I could control that. And I was willing to bet on myself that I could make it work. You know, I'd, I had been in retail working 100 hours a week. And every hour I worked was less money I was making per hour. I wanted to be able to work 
less, but make more the, the more hours that I worked. So the, the business model just made sense. Even though I knew nothing about the product, I knew I would be able to sell it. Why I stay in it is because the money. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it, it's because of the people that I've met, the relationships that I've met, peers in the industry, clients that have become friends, the carrier relationships that I have. It That's the glue that holds everything together is the relationships, yeah. period. And so for me, um, also officially diagnosed with ADHD and supposed to take Adderall, which I do not because that's why I'm able to get everything done that I do. If I took Adderall, then I wouldn't have a podcast. I would, I mean, I would maybe have, and you a, would have laser beams coming out of your eyes. Yeah. I'd have some, somewhat of a successful agency, but yeah, you know, so, you know, I stick around because the money, the money has happened, but I really just absolutely enjoy going to work every single yeah. day. And I don't know very many people in the world that can say that. Yeah. Well, you got three people sitting here that can definitely say that from what I've seen so far. So, you know, it, I got to reflect on this because for those of you that aren't familiar with these guys like I am, we have three very different agencies represented here. Uh, you've got HRM, you've got Florida Risk Partners, and you've got Rogue Risk. And uh, Hanley does the majority of his work. He does a lot of QBI, quote, bind issue, does a lot of small commercial. He, he backdoors into personal lines for a really small percentage of his overall book. Mitch, I don't know anything about your book. We'll I'm going to be honest about it. Old school. Uh, old school, classic lead with personal lines yep. and cross-sell, small old, commercial old when school, you can. Bit, yeah, commercial's kind of the bread and butter, but yeah. we uh, the personal's taken off just because of some relationships and automation that I've Sweet. been able to build with some partners. And then you've also got David, who is basically cuts his teeth on leading with work comp and cyber and focuses almost exclusively on middle market accounts, you know, six figures in, in annual premium, and does a lot of fee-for-service in his office. And and I have to acknowledge the fact that the concept of fee-for-service is going to be a completely foreign idea for a lot of people listening to this. In the captive world, there's no such thing as fee-for-service. So I'm going to ask you real quick, uh, and we don't have time to go into fee-for-service because we are 17 minutes into what is probably going to be somewhere around a 45, 50-minute episode in total. And I want to make sure everybody has plenty of time to shine. So when I was thinking about what do I want to bring to our audience when I got these three rock stars sitting down, I wanted to have some reflection on Brainshare because this has just been a really cool event. Uh, the format is different. It's not a conference. It's kind of like the anti-conference. Uh, it's my first one. Definitely will not be my last. I'd love to get some, some reflection on maybe one or two lessons that you've picked up here or just ideas that you've had. And then we're just going to you know, chop it up and talk about agents need to do more of insert here and agents need to stop doing insert here and then we'll wrap the show because we'll be all done by then. So, uh, Mitch, why don't you start us off, man? Um, what have you taken away? Maybe one or two things, just aha things that you've had from Brainshare. And I'm not doing this just because he's sitting right here, but pretty cool to, today to see and to get uh, the wrap up of the protege. Um, Derek Hayden was the winner. Uh, Mr. Carruthers was very, very uh, generous in, in his uh, in his words and how he uh, handled handled the whole entire uh, show from start to finish. Uh, it was slick, smooth, and I commend you and congratulate you for the for the first season. And I can't wait to see what happens on season two. Maybe maybe Mitch Gibson makes an appearance. So we'll oh look out. We'll see what happens. Uh -oh. We'll see what happens there. If you get accept, I, I got to start somewhere. <laughs> got to start somewhere. I love the confidence, man. Um, I, I know a, I know a guy who might be able to help you with that. <laughs> but but to kind of get back on the on the horse there, one thing he said today that I really really loved. So we talked about how how he's a lead with comp guy. Yeah, I love the lead with cyber. 
Um, I took a lot of notes down from there. Um, I just got hacked myself a couple weeks ago from paying parking ticket or a, uh, yeah, a parking ticket. And when I was in, uh, at the all-star game in Denver, Colorado, somehow some dude, I had my Wi-Fi hotspot on on my laptop working and got hacked that, that way mm. and sent out some pretty, pretty personal information about somebody. And it, thank gosh, it was the person that it was. Yeah. Um, and the relationship I had with them, it could have been, it could have been, it could have been serious. So that cyber really grabbed my eye today. Um, and just the, just the way to lead with that and show them you care about them and you're trying to protect them just by looking at a website and running, an, running a uh, analysis. I think the thing that's cool about leading with cyber, and I mean, the, the, to be completely transparent, and this is probably going to be, I need to preface this by saying this is not me beating my chest or being arrogant, but my agency has a problem and it's a big problem. And the problem is that our average revenue per account is too high. And the, the reason that's a problem is because if I lose an account, I you really, it. really sting. So yeah. while the workers comp stuff that I do, and I probably should have should have mentioned this when I was talking, while the workers comp stuff that I do has been very successful for us and is certainly my personal bread and butter, the fact is if we're leading with cyber, I don't have to have the same value proposition, the same account size. I could do any account size that I want, and they all have a significant exposure when it comes to cyber. So as we continue to try and place more lower-end middle market accounts than than what we have right now, being able to lead with cyber allows us to have those conversations with companies we otherwise wouldn't call on. No, it's really cool when you think about the, the problems that you have at your stage of the game is more book mix and distribution of accounts and, and like you said like you're looking for the smaller accounts to you know level the playing field so if you you know like i forget who was it said it but you need a lot of small a lot of medium and a lot of large that way you know when you lose an account you're not you know taking a four percent hit to your annual revenue or something like that well i mean the thing is it's how I started my agency, right? I had to write middle market to get the cash flow, to get the agency off the ground. I just didn't quit. I never went back and filled in that gap. Five years later, I have a massive gap that I have to fill now. And the issue, part of the issue came from the fact that I represent a lot of service contractors and with the current acquisition marketplace right now, venture capital companies are coming in and scooping them up. I lost three accounts for a total of about a quarter million dollars in revenue in the last six months just from VC uh, acquisition. So we are rapidly pushing as fast as we can to get into that lower middle market space that, you know, 50 to 100,000 in premium instead of the quarter to half million. Well, and the cool thing is at that level, and nothing against the captives that are listening to this, it, that is still absolutely what I would consider a sweet spot because for Riskwell, we really strive, and it's it's not even close to my my friend Mr. Carruthers here, but our target is the accounts from ten thousand in premium on the small side and a hundred thousand on the top end because what we found is the captives have no business going after that account. They don't have the, the the bandwidth for it. They don't know how to speak the language, and it's missing stuff like cyber, like EPL, like other things we don't have time to talk about here. But the big boys, the ABC companies, you know, Brown and Brown and Aon and Marsh and Lockton and Gallagher and all of those things that captives aren't even aware of, it's it's the, the great white sharks in the ocean when you're – you know, like a, a dolphin or something. Yeah, I mean, you're a predator, but you're nothing close to an apex predator. It's well beneath the radar of the alphabet houses. So the captives are out, the big boys are out, and then we just straight up dominate the, you know, random 
IA uh, office that doesn't have the technology, that doesn't have Brainshare, that doesn't have IAOA, who's a lone ranger, like uh, Mitch was talking about from uh, prior to plugging in. So uh, when you take your true middle market chops and bring it down to the 50 to 100 range, I mean, it's still completely unfair because you're not competing against the alphabet house. You're competing against, you know, local independents. You're just going to mop at that point. Well, I, I mean, there's a couple of things. Number one, our close rate will go down because it's more difficult to make the total cost to risk argument. That's why we slipped over to cyber because yeah. that that's a very easy argument to make. But, um, you know, the other thing is there's there's more of them. I mean, the, the fact is there. There, there's many more accounts. And, and I said it when I spoke today, we're running out of the sweet spot for us. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but we're not going to expand our geography. We're not going to move outside the five counties that surround Tampa Bay. I, I closed that idea down as soon as I launched Killing Commercial and said, I'm done. This is all I'm going to ever grow. And so now the only thing I can do if I'm not willing to span, expand my geography is to expand the demographic of the accounts that I'm going after. No. For me, when you so my market is micro, so five hundred dollar bops or even you know below that to a hundred thousand. Although I don't even really target that, it's really micro to say fifty thousand in premium. Mm-hmm. And for for all the reasons that you just mentioned, I think it's the most underserved. It's the last blue ocean that exists um, in our space. When you switch to small business, uh, you you and and I'm a, an enormous believer in everything David does. And Killing Commercial was an enormous part of the early part of my agency. And frankly, I had launched my agency. Basically, was going to be a Killing Commercial agency. And if it wasn't for COVID, and uh, I had to pivot hard because. I launched my agency seven days before COVID hit. And in New York, which and, is one of the worst places. That and in New York, hit. and it, everything was shut down. I mean, you want to talk, I'm launching to go after middle market, to do the drops. I had all, you know, money spent on all the materials to walk-ins and calls and all this stuff. And now, boom, there, is, there isn't even a business open. We don't even, you know, they're showing, still showing signs of people dropping in the streets. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, like, it is bad. And that lasted in New York for a long time. And, uh, you know, we get to June, July, August, I'm still not writing insurance. I mean, here I've spent tens of thousands of dollars, you know, enormous amount of time. This is my, this is what I'm doing for life. I'm bringing in no money and now I can't get an account in the door. So I had to do something. And the only thing I could do was pivot to small business because they were the only things left operating. I mean, those aren't, the big businesses could go, could go dark the small businesses had to find a way to operate. So they were the only ones I could get in. And so I pivoted to it and and, and it fits my personality uh, better as well. But when, when you make that move, one of the things that you have to think about is you can't do the total cost of risk value proposition anymore because they just they just don't care. And it's not really there as much. The, yeah. the, the What David can do and what his process can do for a middle market business is incredible. It just it doesn't translate down to someone who's paying twenty five thousand dollars in premium. So when what you what you do in that in that transition is you switch to solving problems. Yep. You become you go from I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna walk through all your policies and I'm gonna mark all these up and I'm gonna come back with a proposal. F that. Solve their problem. If your problem's comp, write the comp. The problem cyber, cyber. If their problem whatever it is solve that problem and then use on the back end 
automations, touch points, reviews, all the tools and technology behind the scenes to cross sell the GL, to cross sell whatever else they need and to get that uh, policy together. But I think a lot of people who attack the small business market make the mistake of thinking that they're gonna come in and be a business consultant. They do not give a bleep. They want, they have problems that need to be solved. It doesn't mean you shouldn't treat them well. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, they have problems that need to be solved and they need to get back to what they're doing. And if you can kind of switch your mentality to solve problems first, you'll write a lot of small business. Well, I want to take a quick sidebar for just a second because a lot of people listening to AFP have not heard the term total cost of risk. And it's completely second nature to all of us that uh, operate in the killing commercial world. Uh, The total cost of risk, I don't have that much time. Google total cost of risk equation, it is basically the different components that play into literally the cost of risk. Uh, the insurance cost is is part of that, but also third-party consultants and the indirect cost that comes into uh, the risk equation, like reputation management and all the things that are really difficult to quantify uh, in a specific way. So we don't have time to talk about that, but uh, press pause and Google total cost of risk it will blow your mind, captives. Uh, I apologize in advance for the rabbit trails you will probably find in your search queries from there. So, yeah, I, I, I love the feedback here. Uh, it, it really is cool to see three different flavors of success in three different agencies. And all of you guys are doing your own thing, uh, forging your own path. And Mitch, you're about to have a very clear path to equity yourself. You've been in the industry less than four years, and you're going to have equity in your shop and just write your ticket from here, man. I think that's awesome. And I want to hammer something that I love that or that we've always seen eye to eye on the, the $500 bops because I've had, I think even last year, I had a couple. But this year, I had three renew that I wrote at $500 or $1,500 at most mm-hmm. that have now been, that are now either 10 or $15,000 accounts. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're the, they, those customers think, or that customer thinks I am the king, like makes me feel great. I make him feel good. Like going to lunch, things like that. He, he feels value, you know, like I've, like I've added value to his, to his business. Mm-hmm. And now that's allowed him to grow and, you know, hire more employees and understand different rules and regulations or regulations of why and why not we need to have this and that. Um, that makes me happy because we've we've helped solve their problem and to see them grow just like us like you want to see I, I want to see young agents grow you want to see young agents if you any employees that you have you want to see them grow same way goes for your customers i'd want the more my customer grows the more i take care of him the more money he makes the more money we make well one of the things that we say to our to, all, to our customers is uh our clients and whatever is a strong foundation of insurance is 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 the basically the platform that allows you to take the risk necessary to grow like you can't if you don't have a strong foundation of insurance then you can't stretch for that extra employee invest money and putting an addition onto your onto your your current building get that extra truck that you need to to get another crew out uh for your landscaping business like if you don't have a good insurance foundation you can't take those risks to grow so it's 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 valuable. It doesn't mean it's ever going to be their priority. That's what our job is. Yeah. But but it's valuable and, and a very important part of their business. Well, I was listening to the girly sessions and I don't know what it is with my obsession when I'm traveling for a long period of time. I just put on the Power Producers podcast or Hanley's podcast. I'm sorry, Mitch, I haven't found yours yet. But I will straight up binge when I'm driving for hours at a time. It, it was it was Mr. Josh Gurley who put it in such a concise way. I love it. He said, so many of these people – 
are jumping to the fourth option when it comes uh, to risk management. And then that is the purchase of an insurance product. And he put it so concisely, and I'm totally stealing it because I love exactly how easy it is. It's like you're skipping the first three steps. If all you're doing is buying an insurance product and you're not engaging in those first three steps, one, your insurance is a lot more expensive because you're going to have more losses and they're going to be bigger, either frequency or severity. But over, overall, operationally, you're just not nearly as efficient or profitable. Step one was avoidance. Uh, step two was retention. Uh, step three is engage in some sort of contractual risk transfer via a waiver of segregation, hold harmless agreement, a subcontractor. There's so many different legal things we can engage in. Only after you've done those three things should you focus your full attention on buying an insurance product. And I was like, man, Josh, girly, that is just so concise. And the way that he just, it's all together like that. I know he's regurgitating stuff he's heard from you and from other people, but I haven't personally heard it put so concisely. Dude, in, in he, no, he's 100% original. He may borrow a thing here or there, but I take as much from him as he takes from me. I can assure was, you. That was awesome. And, and I, I kid with him all the time. I tell him he, he's like Forrest Gump's mom in the insurance industry because he has a way <laughs> of explaining things so people can understand it. And he, you know, he makes fun of himself for speaking slowly and using small words. And he's got a pretty thick Georgia twang, which I just find so endearing, by the way. I'm a huge girly fan, no doubt. Um, but I, I just wanted to point that out that too often, and this is something when I was a captive and even a year ago, I did not appreciate when all we're doing is talking about the purchase of an insurance product. We're commoditizing ourselves and contributing to the obsolescence of our own practice. So I'm looking at our time here going that this is a perfect time for a commercial break. So I'm going to pause for about two seconds, let our sponsor do their thing. We'll come right back. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. All right. Thanks for that. Really appreciate you guys sponsoring. Whoever it was, you know who it was. So do business with our sponsors, please. They're awesome. Dave, I want to hand you the mic real quick, man. Uh, I, <laughs> That's smooth. That was smooth as butter. Uh, I've never I, seen I, something so smooth. That yeah. You on the mic's pretty smooth. Okay. You got it going. I like <laughs> it. Thank you, that I pretty, guess. That was pretty smooth. No, uh, I've learned over the course, and I've only recorded like 20 episodes, but I figured out the way the editors do things. So if I tell them where to drop the commercial, I avoid the whole awkward like mid-conversation where it just runs the commercial in the middle of something we're talking about. So I figured if I control the narrative a little bit and say, hey, editors, drop the commercial right here. It's just a better listening experience. So anyways. Um, we've only got a few minutes left. I want to make sure we're capturing the time here. So Dave, take the answer any way you want to. Either, in your opinion, the people listening to this podcast, either captive agent or someone who's relatively early in their IA journey. I know we have some very well-established, very successful people that listen regularly, but the vast majority of the audience is one of those two people. Uh, 
Talk about something that you see as a trend in the industry uh, that you want people to start doing that they're not currently, or for God's sake, stop doing this thing that you're doing that you should not be doing. You can go either direction you want to. Same answer, just framed differently. They need to stop viewing technology as an expense and start viewing it as an investment, Uh, especially for people coming out of the captive world. Everything's handed to them as far as I understand it, having never been there before. But you walk in and you've already got an agency management system and everything in place. And I mean, I've watched you from afar as you've built your tech stack and had to get your phone system and all of the integrations and things and the pain and suffering you've had with some things and and the other things that you've been a, a huge huge fan of. And I think really, you know, it boils down to one thing, you know, the thing that's going to separate the agencies that perpetuate and are ultimately successful or that sell for the higher multiples, it's, they're going to be looking at your tech stack to value you, not because they're going to even continue to use it moving forward, but how you've invested in technology and the process that you have in your agency talks a lot about how everything else in your agency is going to run. I just, I was waiting for the right time to use that button. I could not agree more, man. Yes. Yeah. You know, Hanley, we cheese ball it over here. Uh, yeah. I, I make I no like apologies. It. I'm with it. No. Respectfully waited till the end of your thought before I interrupted you. No, I've, I've been surprised by how many people just get totally taken out of their headspace when that happens. So, um, Mitch, how about you, man? What do people need to do more of? I think I'm going to hit. Or, the, or, I'm going to talk to so. the younger agents on this this side of things. I think there's too many people afraid to ask for help, mm. and afraid to reach out. Like the the amount of people that I've talked to says, um, you know, what, what who was the first person you ever talked to? It's Bradley Flowers. I mean, Bradley's the one that kind of got me that explains open, a open lot. my eye to a lot of this stuff. <laughs> um, but but it was me sending him a Facebook message. I mean, I thought he was some just guy that I wouldn't get a reply from and ignore me and move on. But I just politely asked him to spend 15 minutes of his time, and that was the best 15 minutes that I've ever spent. Um, and Until I truly, truly recording this that. podcast right now. <laughs> that's correct. That's correct. Hit the yes button. Hit it. Yes. All right. There it is. But I think there's a lot of people afraid to ask for help, afraid to reach out to the big dogs that are doing it. And, you know, these guys are. Hanley, Carruthers, you guys – I mean, you, James, too. You guys are doing doing good stuff. And uh, I'm just blessed to be able to be around and, and to, to watch and learn from the best people that are the, the best agents in the world doing it. it Mitch, I got to say, man, because what, I, what, what Hanley has said so many times is the intersection of the human experience and technology. I don't know if that's where you're going to go. Uh, but taking what Hanley is, has been banging the drum on for so long and then what David just said about making sure that you're being intentional and, and yeah. stewarding the technology well – um, there is so much time wasted by captive agents and people early in their careers when they just get obsessed with the new thing, whatever the next toy, the next vendor, whatever. I've been so guilty of it myself, not in the last year, but the first year, year and a half, holy crap, man, I spent so much time on tech, way too much time. And David calls it the shiny object syndrome, I call it shiny stuff syndrome, whatever, whatever you call it. It's just get out there and talk to people and sell stuff. Like, I mean, Hanley said just a second ago, just fix problems. You want to be successful in this industry? Stop slinging product and start solving problems. If all you do is stop slinging product, start solving problems, you are guaranteed more successful. I want to say something quick about what Mitch said, though, because it's something that everybody needs to hear. The fact that he and people his age 
are afraid or apprehensive of reaching out reeks of the main problem. One of the main problems I see in the industry, and that's the the issue of the old guard not being willing to collaborate mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. communicate openly yeah. with the new guard. I'm not talking about a training program or, or, or teaching them the mechanics of the business. I'm teaching them I want, I'm talking about how they run the agency, making yeah. decisions. Why? Here's one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got, and I've used this my entire life, and I got it very, very early, was always give people the reason why. Don't just say, here's go do this. Say, you need to go do this because, and then spend the 30 seconds to a minute to explain what it is or the reason behind why you want them to do something. And then you never have to repeat it again because it sticks. But I think that older agency principals, not all of them, but a good majority of them that have one foot out the door aren't willing to do that. And then they wonder why they're stuck at a revenue goal that they're at. Well, it, the conversation has been beat to death with Chris Paradiso and his uh, rather famous phrase at this point that the insurance industry is far too much stale and pale and male. You look at the average age of an agency principal, it's like 56 or 57 years old. People like Mitch are definitely changing that. Uh, to your point, I think authentic mentorship uh, is something that is really wonderful in our in our little circle here in IAOA and agency intelligence. I mean, you and I are a perfect example. You didn't know me two years ago, and you have spent a lot of time and energy that you haven't been directly compensated for. But when I think of the people that I can point to as reasons for my success at RiskWell and the, the lessons that I've been able to teach my team and my clients have benefited from, David Carruthers is personally responsible for a lot of that. There's a half dozen other people that are right there with you, but it's that authentic mentorship. And the conversations that I've had with people that are, you know, coming to me for advice in the same way that I come to you for advice. I don't know who you go to for advice, but man, they must be like some mythic wizard or something. Uh, but it, it's just the natural flow in in the industry. And it's only possible for someone like Mitch if guys like me and you and Hanley and others that are a little bit further down yeah. the road than Mitch are willing to give freely. Yeah, it wasn't always the case. Yeah, like, and, and what I would tell him is really simple. Don't be afraid. Like, just do it. Like, yeah. it, nobody's going to bite your head off. Like, if you – there's never been a time that someone has wanted to, me to talk on the phone or do a Zoom or they have a question. There's never been a time I've said no, not once. And I think that, you know, it starts with me. I'm the tweener, right? I'm not, I don't have one foot out the door. I'm, I'm sort of that one that bridges the gap. So I think the younger agents need to be confident in themselves because here's the other thing. If you're not confident in yourself enough to go out and put yourself out there to ask for help, you're never going to make it as a producer ever. Yeah. yeah. One of the things, just to give some context to the, to the listeners and, you know, I, so I've been in the industry for 16 years. Um, when I first got in, it wasn't like this. This yeah. was, this is, this is new. Like the, the culture that's starting to develop because of, uh, platforms like IAOA, because of Cass's Brainshare, all the podcasts, um, you know, I'd like to believe that agency nation played a small role in this for the period yeah. of time that, that, that it was well, an interest of choice too. I mean, they, they've advanced the conversation uh, coll- like all of us collectively. Sorry. It didn't mean in know, part in part. Yeah. I kn- that was more me. Uh, I might've been poking Hanley a little bit there with that one. Sorry. <laughs> No, they did a wonderful job. Um, so, no, no, no. no. <laughs> Sorry. So, but 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 I do. But I, I want to just I give that context only to say that today that culture is very much changed. And I think like when I was coming up, it you didn't go to you didn't go to conferences. 
if you did go to conferences, you had to be very careful, very guarded. Don't share. Someone's going to come after your clients. Someone's going to try to poach you or poach your people or steal your idea or your contact or your reference. And today, literally, we'll sit in rooms with a hundred of our peers and share every minute detail that leads to our success openly and freely. And that to me, if if anything, is is why I get so excited about this space is like we've literally, the, the people in this room, the people in that room down there have played a role in changing the entire culture of a space for the better. Yeah. And that to me is incredibly exciting because now you got guys like Mitch who they're not learning in the old way where everyone looked at each other as as someone who was going to, you know, that that kind of scarcity mindset, everyone's going to steal my stuff. He's he's being raised in the industry, you know, in air quotes or whatever. He's being he's being raised in an industry that's much more abundant mindset, much more open, inviting. And and I I just encourage everyone who's listening to reach out. I mean, I do the same thing that David does. I I tend to schedule my calls for Fridays, but I'll have Fridays where the entire second half of the day is 20 to 30 minute phone calls with with people who just have questions about stuff. And I most of the time I direct them to guys like I'm like, hey, you know, follow this guy, do this, yeah. follow this person. But, you know, I try to give him as much advice as I can. But that's we need to do that. That that positive serendipitous nature always comes back around. Maybe not just to you, but to the industry as a whole. And we're in a really good place. Yeah. And I just encourage everyone to to push. I want to kind of give you a little example. It's just like we talk about Cass and everything he's done for this brain share thing and the, the people that have helped. Uh, this is my first brain share as well. But I actually, before we started talking about, you know, Mitch, HRM insurance, this, whatever, I almost left HRM insurance about two months ago. Um, and that was because I, you know, didn't feel like I was growing anywhere more farther than I was at. Agency, like you said, that male pale, stale, kind of just dried out type of deal. And I, it, it wasn't going to be a fit for me. So I was going to take, take a different opportunity. Well, I was, I let Cass know. I, I was talking to Cass. I talked to Cass all the time and he kind of calls me as mini me, I guess. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I wouldn't um, say that too publicly. Be, we'll, be uh, with that we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Um, but, no. but what he did, what he did that really ticked me off the other day, or when I told him I was leaving the text message that I got back, it frustrated me. And I know, I don't, I think I told you about yeah, this or last you, night. You said that last night at dinner. Um, it, it frustrated me because I was sharing something with him that was making me happy. And I thought was making the best decision for me. And this is somebody that I have never even met until yesterday. I didn't meet Cass until yesterday, but long story short, when I told him I was leaving, I got a text message about mm, the, maybe a first chapter of a Harry Potter book uh, <laughs> down the screen. And the last thing he said is, that, that I, sounds he, like Cass. the last thing he said was, I hope, I hope this pissed you off. It should. And I didn't text him back for like, I didn't text him for like five days. I ghosted him and I had put a podcast out and I think I talked about it and he shot me a text message and, but it was something that when I decided I was going to stay, yeah. you know, that's for a different story. But when I said I was going to stay, I appreciate every single thing that he said in that text now looking back on it and it's because he cares and that's that's what you're dealing with with people in this you know the the IA channel is that's this is this these are people care everybody everybody in this industry cares um for the most part and we're all here to help one another well and the people that don't care the the people that act in a uh, position of scarcity as hanley said the the old uh, blue ocean red ocean concept which mm -hmm. uh you you mentioned and another thing we don't really have time for but if you're not familiar with the concept of blue ocean or red ocean again press pause and go ahead and google that thing 
and enjoy the journey there because you will be reading articles and getting uh, different podcasts and books to read from here to Timbuktu. So the whole blue ocean concept, I think, is really central to BrainShare. It's central to IOA, the podcast that I started because I don't get paid by any of you people. I'm not asking anyone to buy anything. There's no guru product. There's no upsell. It is entirely based on well, like Hanley said, bettering the agency, uh, industry, not agency, uh, you know, getting to a place where we're better positioned to compete with those direct writers, uh, with the captive carriers that have literally billion dollar advertising and marketing budgets. The only way we beat those kind of companies is if we are more authentic and more relevant to the people that we're talking to. And, you know, it's conversations like this that help advance that goal. Yeah, I, I, I would say to don't get one of the things that has really helped me in my career is when I stopped even thinking about captives and directs and other IAs, figure out, and I'm going to go back to what the way that I view the business, but figure out a problem in this industry that you like solving or are good at solving. David Crothers is really good at solving worker comp problems. He's good at a lot of different things, but he's really good at solving workers comp problems and he's built his business around that. I really like working with small businesses and helping them solve the variety of problems. I like the variety of it. I like solving a car, you know, a, a commercial auto issue one day and a, a comp issue the next day and a GL issue the next, that that brings me joy and I enjoy solving that problem. Don't give a shit about what anyone else is doing. Figure out what problems you like to solve. If you consistently solve those problems, you will sell more than enough insurance and you will have a great career. It's it's literally that simple. And and what will come out of it are experiences. And as David said, he has, he has longtime friendships with, with people that he does business with with his clients. I mean, how many industries do you have where you sell them this product that they probably don't want, really? It's not like you're selling them a car that they've dreamed about their entire life. You're selling them an insurance policy and they become your friends. I just think it's special and um, it's a very rewarding place to operate. No, I love that, man. We are coming up to the end of the episode. So I want to give everybody an opportunity to to put something into the ether uh, for the people listening. What is one action step uh, that you would advocate that the the person listening to this episode right now, whether they're a captive or they're an IA who's you know early in their career or just someone who wants to be better at serving their clients, solving problems, being you know running a more successful, more profitable agency? What is one action step that you want the person sitting in their car or their office or at the gym with their headphones on? The action step you want them to take in the next seven days to better themselves in their agency. Everybody answer this one. Who? Just one, one. Just an action. It has to be something that is action related. I'd say schedule a breakfast with someone in the IA space that's in your community. Just just get a cup of coffee with them and start a relationship. If they're a competitor or they're just around, just start talking to someone and learn from them. You'll, you'll get something out of it. Concise. Love it. Mitch? I would say start if it, you know, for me, when I started being comfortable with uncomfortable situations was when it kind of changed for me. So I think find something that makes you uncomfortable, um, but still make that, you know, still has a purpose and a meaning and try it because it, it, it'll make a difference. Like racing pony breeding? <laughs> that would be crazy. Midget ponies. I was about to say, baby goats. There's like goat yoga is a thing up there, right? There's I, so many goats. I, if I had somebody to teach goat yoga, they could use the goats because that's a thing. 
if my wife would allow it, I would own at least like three to five fainting goats. And we have every one. day when I come home, I would just scare the crap out of them and watch them fall over. I have. I didn't know that. They, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, it's a thing. Yeah, I know. Well, we have one because I started the lawnmower the first time I had it, <laughs> and this thing was in the middle of jumping into the barn. I can't make this up because I had. It's not like it's a step. He I had wish to you jump, could see this right now. And he jumps, and I turn that thing on, and he like stiffens up in the air, it's and so it went. He goes, ding, ding. <laughs> And two seconds, and he shakes, and he's up off doing his thing again. Like a bag it's of potatoes a, it's falling amazing. The ground, It was amazing. Huh? I will never admit how much time I waste on YouTube watching <laughs> videos of that, ever. It's fantastic. No, how about you, David? Mine's really simple. Um, start with one time a week. Commit to listening to a podcast, reading a blog post, reading a chapter in a book that's going to make you better, anything like that. Because what I found is if you make that habit start now and you can commit to something that's easy for you to execute on, like a once a week deal, it becomes contagious. Then you want to read more the next day or listen to more the next day. And the next thing you know, you've got a portion of your day blocked out for self-improvement. And if you schedule that and you make it intentional, it will happen. It's not something you can hope for. It's something you have to plan. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what Mitch said just a second ago. And the action is simply be that thing that you're putting off, whatever it is, you know what it is, that cold call that you know you need to make, scheduling that lunch with the channel partner you've been trying to land, uh, you know, reaching out to that renewal that's coming up two months from now that you, you're just scared to talk to because you know it's not going to be a good renewal. You know what that thing is that you've been putting off in the back of your head you haven't done it and you know you need to do that thing. You'll thank yourself. Your future self will thank you. That's how the phrase goes, right? I agree. So, guy, this was fun. I, I really enjoyed this. I think this this different flavor of episode uh, is probably going to be well received. A little bit different uh, tone than yesterday with the insane party that was going on here with David's like hangover suite. Uh, <laughs> Guys, any any last things? Oh, we totally forgot to pitch. Yeah, uh, real quick. How do people find you? What's the name of your podcast? How do people connect with each of you individually? Go. Uh, RyanHanley.com is where you can find the podcast. I'm Ryan Hanley on all the on all the socials, and I've boxed out all the other Ryan Hanleys in the world. So if you just put me into the Google, I will be all first. I'll be all ten of the page one results. So. Love it. Not all ta- not all ten of the first page results, but MitchGibson.com, Mitch Gibson Google, you'll find it. Uh, Mitch R Gibson on social media, and yes, step your SEO. Need me. Up, I have to get over your name because I had a fraternity brother whose name was Mitch Gibson, and that dude was straight up insane. Well, uh, was he? he he was the kind of crazy fraternity guy who you never knew what he was going to uh, say that's... or do. Uh, he, he was he was a, a half cocked gun at all times. So no pressure, but when I hear Mitch Gibson, I kind of go, "Ooh, wow that that's a crazy name right there." I'll try to pa- I'll try to pass the test. David, how about you, man? David R. Carruthers on Google. I'm like Hanley. I'll be the whole first page if you go there. I'm an open connector on social. So all I can tell you is if you want to connect with me, I will connect with you. But then it's your problem that you have to actually consume the content of my crazy family and everything else. No, I, I got to say, and I, I say this in all sincerity and warning. If you're a captive agent, please, for the love of God, do not jump straight to David's podcast, the Power Producers <laughs> podcast, because I got to be totally honest, and it's a little bit humbling for me when I started listening uh, to David's podcast. A lot of that stuff went over my head. I didn't understand some of the concepts that David just takes for granted because his body of knowledge is so comprehensive in some of these topics. I spent a lot of time on Google just getting my basic comprehension of what some of these terms and acronyms were. 
up to speed. So if you're in the captive world, you might want to ease yourself into the deep end of the pool that is David Carruthers' podcast. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, I mean, Ryan Hanley is a little bit more conversational, easier access on his show. And I'm sure Mitch, for the younger folks out there, is going to be a lot more relevant than what I'm talking about right now. Hopefully. So, That's the goal. Um, guys, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for yeah. spending some of your valuable time with us. Uh, very much appreciate it. And that's really it for uh, this episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. I have the same three requests I always have. Wherever you're listening to us, please subscribe. Uh, that really drives the organic uh, side of the algorithm so more people find us on their own. If you like what you hear, leave a review. Uh, make sure it's five stars. If it's not, then don't leave a review. Uh, and then uh, the most important thing is share Agency Freedom Podcast with someone in the captive world who needs what we are talking about because we are setting people free. I don't care what the carrier is. Someone is listening to this episode trying to figure out how am I going to make this freedom jump and better my life and my family's future. And we're going to help them do that. So thanks for watching, boys and girls. Make it a great day. We'll talk to you soon. Y'all take care.